the City of Angels sits what was supposed to be a beautiful and distinguished hotel, but with a history of economic depression, serial killers, suicide, and even infanticide. The hotel was anything but what its founders wanted it to be. So grab your bags, walk up to the receptionist, and let's check in to the Cecil Hotel for this weekly meeting of Alcoholic Anomalies. I'm your host, Jason Sparks, and as always, I'm joined by my co-star, the man behind the stand, Bobby Strickland. <laughs> and joining us in the circle today is our special guest and future host of Dulahan Production Podcasts, Hunter Strickland. Thank you guys for having me. Of course. And so, Hunter, of course, welcome to the No, circle. screw you. You can't be here. <laughs> Fair enough. Go ahead and skedaddle. Let me go upstairs for a week. You can't be in the hall. Skedaddle. Skedaddle. But like I said, Hunter, welcome to the circle. Uh, that is this abomination that we have created known as alcoholic anomalies i've um, never been had a is, higher pleasure in my life than no, this. this is more of a welcome to the show you know <laughs> welcome, welcome to the show you know but bobby who doesn't cuss wants to say welcome to the shit show basically <laughs> say, all i want to say to bobby is shut up bitch <laughs> <laughs> There, there was, there's the plug we were trying to get for like three episodes. Yes, we, we finally got, got it. it. Within the first two minutes of recording. We've been, yeah. we've been waiting for that all day. You're welcome for finally hitting the softball. <laughs> <laughs> it went yard, let's just say that. So we have already discussed recently that uh, if we were to send out a face reveal uh, of the three of us together, uh, this being a personal dialogue that the three of us had, that people would more than likely guess that Hunter and I am related as cousins instead of you and Bobby. Um, oh, absolutely. No, <laughs> there's, no, there's no question. There's no that. question no one would ever suspect. No, even, even when it was out tonight, there's like, wait, that's your cousin? I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. He's like, I thought they were related. <laughs> I was about to say, I mean, you got a guy that has red hair versus a guy who has brown hair and is also more dark complexion compared to you versus another guy who has dark hair very, stuff, dude. Like, very no, pale Colombian yeah Colombian <laughs> very yeah. short very tall <laughs> yeah Hunter and I am the same height same hair color look similar or anything and then as we stated Bobby is tall with red hair pale complexion looks nothing like you need okay if you're going to tell me I'm adopted this is not the way <laughs> no here's the thing if one of my dad or your dad's been adopted, <laughs> this is actually not an episode of Alcoholic Anomalies. This is actually an intervention, Bobby. Um, hey. I, we hate to tell you this way. Have well, you ever heard of, another drink? Have one. you ever heard of Ancestors.com? Yeah, we're doing that today. <laughs> Spin this cup for me. <laughs> we came to show you the results. Uh, it shows that you are not related to me. So that's why you have a drool. And he, is, <laughs> and he is not the father. <laughs> Get Jerry Springer on this. <laughs> That's our fourth guess. <laughs> Come on down. Come on down. <laughs> but Bobby, Hunter, I want to prepare you both from what I believe is one of the most darkest places we will investigate. Like I said, the hotel is a, a terrible and unsettling place due to its history. And while doing this investigation for this episode, I was troubled emotionally for the first time, and when I watched the video that we will discuss later, I was disturbed and that in 
that and that is something that I have felt for the first time during this investigation thus far. But without further ado, let's jump in to the Cecil Hotel. So 1924, businessman and entrepreneur William Banks Hunter poured around $1 million into building the Cecil Hotel. In today's currency, that would equal about $13 million. The hotel had lavish marble floors, stained glass windows, and alabaster statues. Time out. Did you say Hunter or Hunter? Is Hunter. H-A-N-N-E-R. Hunter. I was about to say, I didn't catch what you said again, <laughs> but go ahead and spell it You just never listen to me. I, I know. Yeah, I... Well, when you said Haunter, I was like, well, that's a no wonder. <laughs> no wonder. <laughs> that's kind of crazy. Just like Dr. Pope. They actually changed the name of it. It has changed. I didn't. That's crazy. I didn't realize they did that. Mm -hmm. So previously, it was known as the Cecil Hotel. And to this day, I believe it is the Hotel on Main. Yeah, Stay on Main. I think it's Stay on Main. Yeah, Stay on Main Hotel. So, trip this summer? Um, I know I told y'all many times I'll go anywhere with y'all. That's one place I won't go to. Trip this summer? Me and you? Gas trip? I mean, uh, of <laughs> course, I am always down to go to any of these anomalous locations. Um, yeah, this one. Sounds like a great hotel domain. Well, they can change the name. They can't change the shit that's gone on there. They can't change the history. And we'll kind of touch on the area within the confines surrounding the Cecil Hotel. Wait, wait, this is the saying, like, my history doesn't define me, you know? Well, this history definitely defines this place. <laughs> this history defines this location. So the hotel was supposed to be a shining haven in L.A., but just a few years after the creation of the hotel, the United States fell into the Great Depression, and the neighborhood surrounding the Cecil Hotel became known as Skid Row. Skid, skid. Skid, skid. <laughs> Upon the adversity the hotel saw during the Great Depression, not long after the opening of the hotel, and the building saw its first suicide in 1931, when W.K. Norton was found dead in his hotel room, surrounded by poison capsules. So, I know me and you talked about this before, where I was like, yeah, I've never heard of this place before. Mm -hmm. I think there's an episode on Red Web on this place. Well, I, I may be wrong yeah. on that. I, I think you're incorrect. I cannot definitively state. Um, if, if they have, I have not heard it. Well, like I was telling y'all too before this episode started, this is probably one of the most compelling cases what we'll probably get into in a little while probably in the past 25 years like absolutely and just because the age of we're in with technology and cameras and everything especially what jason's about to show us later it's disturbing, disturbing. and it's something that most people have never seen before in their life and they see that and it's definitely something that people are not used to and they don't know how to react to and mm -hmm. everything so it i wouldn't be surprised if um you said red web is that what they're called yeah yeah if they if they covered it i wouldn't be surprised Yes. So anybody that but, covers stuff like this, they've talked about this at least once. But, well, this is actually the first time we actually discussed what we're talking about before we actually got into it. Just because you told you was talking about how dark it is and everything. Yeah, yeah. I again, to extrapolate as as you said how dark this place is, and you know the the seriousness seriousness that comes along with this episode. Um, of course, as we discussed, you know we'll find comedy where comedy is due. But again, but, I'm gonna try to think of a more lighthearted. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you go ahead. And do I that. mean, it's, it's 1 a.m. <laughs> I'm gonna try to go lighthearted so I can go to sleep. 
<laughs> you do you, big dog. Yeah. You do you. Hey, I've seen this case so many times, or these cases so many times, I'm good with it. Yeah, but, I, I, again, I may be wrong on if Red Web did it or not. Right. But, but, but to touch on that, though, a lot of paranormal adventurers and journalists have wanted to do investigations at the Cecil Hotel. But until very recently, when Ghost Adventures had done their investigation at the Cecil Hotel, they were outrightly told that they were the first individuals to do a paranormal investigation inside the confines of the Cecil Hotel, and that they would also be the last to do so. Jeez. So the Cecil Hotel is a very seclosed uh, acceptance of diving into the paranormal investigation. So hold on, I'm I'm minusing that episode. Is it like? An old timey looking hotel where it's on like two floors, basically. No, 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 it's, no, it's, it's bigger than that. It's like a several floors. I think high. I saw something on here that says like seventeen. It was stories. a very recent episode. Very recent episode. Very. Recent. Nah, I probably didn't watch it then yet. Um, it, it was that, exclusive on Amazon Prime for anybody who also wants to go and see that episode of the Cecil Hotel investigation. That that kind of is intriguing, just because they said that's the first and last. Where are they hiding? Exactly. Where are they hiding? What What do the staff and management mm -hmm. of the Cecil Hotel know yeah. that they don't want to get in? That, all that reminds me of, you know that mo movie, that Stephen King adaptation, that Room 1428? Oh, I thought it was going back to The Shining again. Uh, <laughs> the Shining! <laughs> right, we'll get back into it. That's, just, that's insanely, exactly what like popped in my head as soon as you said that. But anyways, yeah, continue. Yeah, so I had not seen that episode. I, I think I was talking about thing about saloon maybe in vegas oh, was what i was thinking about but um yeah again no idea about this place so <laughs> we'll learn so the fourth death in the his the hotel's history is grace margos who fell from the ninth floor with her body being tangled in telephone wire investigation was not able to determine if it was suicide or murder of some of the most drastic instances within the Cecil Hotel is the story of a young woman who gave birth in the hotel and upon giving birth threw her newborn child out of the window. Of some of the most drastic instances within the Cecil Hotel's history is the story of a young woman who gave birth in the hotel and upon giving birth threw her newborn child out of the window resulting in the death of the child. Some say that the woman was panicked by not being ready to be a young single mother, or that the baby was dead upon birth, or perhaps she was convinced by disembodied voices to dispose of her child. So, the one before this, the incident before this, where the woman, they couldn't determine if she was, like, murdered, or, again, that kind of goes back to the Lighthouse episode that we talked about, where the man fell from the scaffolding, you know, who's to say that he wasn't pushed by something? It's kind of how I look at that one. Right. So are now, you saying that maybe one of these ghosts from before did that to her? Or do you think that she just got murdered by some other person? Oh, no, I'm thinking like it's something darker, like not yeah. an actual person. Because that's something that we talked about with the Lighthouse episode, is that one of the men fell from scaffolding. It's like, who say he wasn't pushed? Mm -hmm. Because, I mean... Whenever you go into some of these instances, these cases, you always hear about people getting touched, pushed, like Scratch. violently pushed too. Is that like, it's not like a light tap or anything like that. It's like meant to deal harm. Mm -hmm. 
So that's kind of my deal with that. Especially if you're saying how dark this place is already. Um, that's just kind of my mindset on that one. Right. And you said that she was the third murder she that was, happened? She was the fourth death. She was the fourth death. Okay. So you think one of those three previous people who had passed. It could be something before then. Or, yeah. Or something that could have happened. Because there's something that could have happened before the hotel was ever. That's what I'm saying. On. Okay. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of the same deal with the lighthouse. Yeah. Like you were so, talking about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the, and if you haven't listened to that episode, uh, it's like episode like four, I think. Somewhere in there. Somewhere. Somewhere in there. Just go back and listen to it. You know, <laughs> listen to it again. <laughs> get our plays up. <laughs> just do it once, twice, maybe even five times. You know what? Just get to sleep to it. Hey, sorry. <laughs> you got to put it on in the background, man. That's all you got to do. Exactly. Some more ASMR. ASMR. <laughs> Talking about a unlikeness. <laughs> to, to further kind of touch on the, the tragic history, you know, instance of infanticide. So the woman... Um, who had done this was tried and found innocent on the fact of temporary insanity that she herself was not in the right mind whenever she committed this heinous act and therefore was acquitted she eventually was sent to a psychiatric hospital essentially at the time an insane asylum she didn't say like you can't prosecute me because uh i'm a married woman you know (laughs) exactly so yeah to, to, to kind of further touch on you know the the individual you're talking about being Lavinia Fisher from our very first episode. Are you sure you pronounced that right? I truly hope so. <laughs> oh, live. Oh, live, as you like to call her. Jimbo Fisher's great-great-grandmother. Exactly. Um, you know, in, in the instance of her sp- allegedly stating that, you know, you can't hang me because I'm a married woman, and the state of South Carolina saying, all right, cool, I'll hang your, uh, your husband in front of you. And give you the good old gotcha bitch instance <laughs> in that uh, occurrence, and therefore leading to execution. That is uh, episode one. If you want to go back and listen to that episode as well, <laughs> we're, we're just we're just full of shameless plugging in, yeah, in, I was say we're plugging our in own this channel. season finale of uh, ep- season one of Alcohol Economics. I mean, you're gonna have to listen to something in downtime. Might as well listen to us. <laughs> now, sound like idiots, but you know, it's <laughs> a bunch of morons talking to a mic, talking about, talking about ghosts and drinking alcohol. Yeah, drinking alcohol while talking about ghosts. Most of the time, I'm talking to a computer screen, so <laughs> it's just not face to face like it is Wait. now. <laughs> I was trying to think of just something like I don't know, just the whole court system when it comes to like temporary sanity. Just mm-hmm. kind of like it's over my head a little bit and everything like that. So. They cleared her. They said she's innocent by temporary insanity, but still sent her to a sanitizer, which at that time was basically worse than jail. Absolutely. So they straight up, they basically punished her, but still said, you're in the clear. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes and no on that. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, just because you claim that you're insane, you still have to serve some kind of sentence in these asylums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, being like, okay, you're acquitted for mental state. But you're still guilty of this crime, basically, is how it works. Yeah. But so. also, what it tells me, though, is that, uh, I guess she was trying to stay to California, correct? Yes. Okay. Tells me that they believe that some sort of supernatural, whatever happened, whether it's voices, whatever, caused her to do that. And they're saying that's what happened. Or they're thinking they might be like Kanye West, just hear voices and they're yeah. bipolar. <laughs> I mean,. I'm being honest here. Yeah, like, yeah uh, no, you got not. Point. Yeah, not to make fun of, of mental illness. Yeah, 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 but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to expand on that, you know, being the temporary insanity, you know, instead of extrapolating more into the paranormal, the belief was that 
the legislatures within California, you know, tried her and found her innocent on temporary insanity due to her uh, distress of, you know, being mm. a, a potential single mother and also having believed that upon giving birth that her baby was was born as stillborn and in an effort to, you know, try and, and dispose of the body of her now stillborn child she did throw it out of the window in an effort of you know just pure insanity pure not being able to understand the situation that was in front of her and therefore she was allowed to be found innocent due to temporary insanity because yeah i think like that's one of the most traumatic things that like a parent could go through absolutely is that right there so i mean i would probably go crazy as well mm -hmm. like or people would probably think i'm going crazy but if I was going to do the same thing, well, what, did she give birth by herself? What, was yes. she, okay, she then was that that makes by sense. By herself, yeah, and gave birth in the hotel bathtub within her room. Yeah, and if she, that baby is stillborn. One, you talk about the stress of being a single mother, but then she also finds out her baby is not no longer alive. Yeah, that makes sense. Then yeah, the child she carried for nine months. Yeah. You know? Um, and she's the, the horror that yeah. she witnessed in that moment. Yeah, she's completely by herself. I don't know how old this girl was too, but I'm assuming she was pretty young. She was a young. One. Yeah, so that that actually makes sense. That's probably a lot of duress she was under at that time. Yeah, and, and so to to further extrapolate on some of the the horrific history at the Cecil Hotel in 1962, a woman had jumped from the seventh story window and landed on a passerby, resulting in not only her death, but also the death of the passerby. I can't imagine just, you know, walking along, say not even the busy street, you know, just walking along the sidewalk, passing the hotel. And next thing I know, I am no longer alive on this plane because not, not me being hit across the head with an object, but me being hit across the head by a person committing suicide and therefore resulting in my death as well. If only uh, Roadrunner could just, you know, speed up a little bit. <laughs> beep, beep. Beep, beep. But again, that goes back to what we was talking about earlier, though. Where they pushed, though, on that one. Yeah. And, and so I believe in my notes, we'll kind of expand a little bit further, but a lot of visitors, especially those who, who have been given the opportunity to, you know, have these investigations in the paranormal, one of the big things that they're drawn to in the rooms of the hotel is the windows themselves and wanting to peer out of them in a sense of wanting to escape from the confines of the room that they are currently in. So are you trying to say <clears throat> the song from the window to the wall, this that's my balls, is that are they talking about the Cecil Hotel? So, I, I mean, I, I can't definitively say they're not. So Little John was inspired by the Cecil Hotel to write that song. Um, I mean, it's possible. I, I mean, like, like I said, I, I can't. It's just it say he wasn't staying there when he wrote the song. It's, it, I don't it's think, possible. I think the energy that he exhibited in that song would resemble <laughs> if I stayed in that hotel. It was yeah, a lot more yeah, positive. Yeah, yeah, a lot more yeah. positive than negative. Yeah, like, but it's say. Little John sounds like he's having the time of his life while he's rapping that song. And I don't think he was having the time of his life if he was staying in the Cecil Hotel. More than likely not. Um, Depends on if he had any other influences, you know, going on at the time. Do you think he was just yelling, yelling out, yeah, while he was staying in the Cecil Hotel? How'd they go again? I don't know how he does <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
as you can say, none of us are vocal artists. Hence um, <laughs> why we're on a podcast and not singing. <laughs> but upon the, the suicide and murders the Cecil Hotel had, a number of serial killers who uh, had also used the hotel as a base of operations. The first notable serial killer is Richard Ramirez, also known as the Night Stalker, who is estimated to have taken the lives of over 38 victims. Richard is known as a devil worshiper, and one of his most infamous photos is that of him sitting during his trial where he holds up the palm of his hand, showing the sigil of Bahamut, which we know as the upside down pentagram. Another serial killer to have called the Cecil Hotel home was Jack Unterweger, who had committed his first murder in his home country of Australia, where he had convinced local populace and law enforcement that he was a changed man and was let go from prison. Jack became a journalist in the United States, and covered murders and talked about how the murders were systematically similar to the first murder he had committed, where the primary victims were sex workers. The police were eventually able to uncover evidence to prove Jack, who had reported on the murders as a journalist, was actually the murderer himself, and that the Cecil Hotel was his primary hunting ground. Somebody got bamboozled. Honestly, <laughs> this dude used that cover story very well. So very well. I mean, a a, a master manipulator mm -hmm. uh, to 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 put it lightly. Uh, but but both these individuals, you know, having a a adding essentially a, a further blood stain to the Cecil Hotel. Uh, Richard Ramirez, as I stated, having thirty eight known victims, potentially countless more, uh, stayed on. Uh, the, the 14th floor and room 419, uh, his murder spree being done during primarily the 1980s before he was found uh, guilty. And uh, so was this like a higher end hotel? Like, was it pretty expensive to stay there? It or? was intended to be, but in actuality, it was not. It was a low income hotel. And actually the outside of the hotel had originally stated the weekly and monthly rates to stay in the hotel. It was eventually changed to show the daily and weekly rates to stay at the hotel because it had declassed itself and was now, at the time, a low-class hotel. Because what it sounds like is their intention whenever they built the hotel was for it to be this classy hotel for people to stay at. Obviously, with this history, not many people want to stay at a place that sounds like it is being haunted. Well... Well, I have an argument against that as well. well no, no, where I, people I, yeah. like houses and different things sell for a higher value because it is haunted. Well, I, I, I don't believe in this instance that yeah. that holds truth because of it's not known as a place of haunting as much of it is as a place of death. Yeah. You know, having two instances of serial killers who, as I stated, uses this place as a praying ground for their victims. And not to mention the countless murders, not necessarily by serial killers. I saw on there too, like, there's been like rapes that have happened there and mm -hmm. just countless horrible things have happened at this hotel. Not just hauntings. It's mm -hmm. been like, like you said, death. So this is going on a tangent here. Mm -hmm. I In the weeds. So do you think this is more of a hotel ran by somebody that would be like the Fishers where they'll lure people in? Maybe 
maybe they were trying to go for the half class, but it was like, you know what? We'll go for a lower income, have more victims come in, and then basically have them meet their demise during their stay. I, I would uh, have to, in this instance, wholeheartedly disagree with that. Because um, I believe the instinct, whenever the hotel was created, was, as we stated, to be something that was more high-end. And just due to happenstance, primarily the economic depression that resulted within the United States and internationally, the further outcome that resulted at the Cecil Hotel was something very different than what initially was wanted. Because my kind of like, thing with that is... I know he kind of hit on it, Hunter hit on it earlier, mm -hmm. where he said, you know, if they're only letting one group of people come in to investigate, and they said they're the only people that can come in and investigate, what are they hiding? So, like, it makes me think, like, maybe there's something darker than what we're actually looking at right now for this, if they are trying to hide something. Well, I, I wouldn't outrightly state in my mind that there's something darker um, then these investigations or could upturn, but the fact that the hotel itself has had so much negative press throughout its creation, essentially ever since it was built, and that's all it's ever had. You know, it's never really had something where it's in the limelight of something good happening at the hotel. And so they're trying to, as we stated, rebrand themselves into something new and different. Like Spirit Airlines, you know? Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but, but trying to get away from that history that plagues the building. But I, I mean, saying, going back to, I mean, you have somebody in there, it's devil worshiper who's saying that they're not carrying on these rituals at the hotel. You know, that's kind of my thing with that too. Like, so from the time that he, the Night Stalker lived there mm -hmm. to like, that was in what, the 1980s. 80s, okay. Yeah. And you mm -hmm. had you had several deaths before then, yep. which mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, most hotels do have deaths in them. Like, as, as statistically saying, speaking, it is a common occurrence. Yeah. yeah. So, but from the '80s, and they're saying like in the '90s, Jack Unterweger had his killing spree at the same hotel. So, but whenever you have a devil worshiper releasing these portals, basically mm -hmm. as believers in the paranormal. You're releasing a, basically a portal to basically the hell to release all these demons out. All this negative emotion. You know. Yeah. And so that's kind of where I'm going with this. Is like, you know, there were there were deaths before. Mm -hmm. Before this happened. Yes, they were tragic. But if it gets worse after the 80s, that's kind of where I'm like, you know, I feel like it's a darker entity pushing these people to do these things rather than people themselves doing it on their own. I'm going to say what you're talking about too also sounds like, I don't know, I don't think y'all talked about this individual, H.H. H. Holmes, mm -hmm. the guy who built that hotel in Chicago during the World Fair to basically set up a shop where you can kill a bunch of people. That's what I thought you were going down was that rabbit hole. Like someone's setting this up. Well, that's basically what the Fishers did. Yeah. It's just he's a little bit more famous because he's known as America's first serial killer or whatever. I just know. So you're talking about something similar along that line, like yeah, I mean, yeah. Because I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, are they trying to hide the owner's past, or are they just trying to keep things under wrap as a pub 
publicity stunt. Basically, that's what I would agree, I would say they're probably more likely doing. I don't think there's something nefarious. Like, yeah, nefarious going on. Like, cause like we said, I think every intention of this hotel was to be a nice, very nice hotel for that time, and it just has devolved into something like way more than they ever thought it would be in the worst way possible. Because you know, there's there's gonna be people out there that are like. I know several people, that, or I don't know them personally, but I know several people are probably thinking, you know, if I go to the Cecil Hotel, I want to stay in the same room that the Nike Soccer stayed mm -hmm. in. And so they're going to pay extra money for that. And so that's why I'm thinking, like, you know, there's something behind all this. Right. Like, not just the dark entity that's causing all these things to do, but I think maybe the owner is also playing a part in this as well to make more money. Right. To monetize on these these tragic events basically well apparently yeah. i just saw on here too i heard about this too apparently at the end of last year so december is what it said they've transformed that place into an affordable housing complex so it's not really a hotel anymore anymore so really you can't stay there like you would a normal hotel unless you were trying that's to live there so that's that's now though yeah that's i'm now. talking about then though like up until let's say until last year let's say yeah before they turn it into that you know like maybe you're trying to get into that that mindset of like I'm gonna monetize heavily off of you know the night soccer stayed here, you know if you're into that kind of horror like kind of mindset type deal. But but to again kind of go back a lot of that history at at the time then and even now a lot of that history was tried to have been covered up. You know it wasn't. Like you said, they didn't try and extrapolate, you know, to, to gain monetization, you know, gain some type of wealth due to the tragic history that did occur at the hotel. So, like Hunter said, you know, there wasn't really anything nefarious that was happening due to hotel management um, because of all the dark history that happened. Real quick, mm -hmm. is there another person that you talked about, too, that actually, they didn't died there but they had stayed there for a little while right before their very tragic and very publicized death that happened there i don't know if you know who i'm talking about the black delilah I, i'm actually gonna yeah. discuss that okay. in my notes i just shortly. didn't know if you're about to get to that or <laughs> get, out of my head. Get, get, get out of my head Hunter. <laughs> sorry uh but to, to kind of wrap up um like i stated uh richard's murder spree was in the 1980s and jack lindebegger's was in the 1990s Richard had stayed in room 1419, and interesting enough, across the hall from 1419 was the very room where the young mother had thrown her child out of the window to its demise. Oh my gosh. And Jack's room was also in 712. <clears throat> Jack was also believed to have wanted to use the Cecil Hotel as a praying ground because of his... Uh, adoration for Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. Uh, so Jack had committed suicide while in prison, and Richard had died from lymphoma while awaiting execution. But now that we've kind of wrapped up uh, the, the serial killers that had haunted the hotel, uh, but to touch on a instance that, Hunter, you had recently brought up. So in 1947, uh, the hotel became uh, into the limelight of crime history, as the legend has it that Elizabeth Short, also known as the Black Delilah, was spotted at the hotel days before her murder. Elizabeth Short was found murdered in an undeveloped area of LA at the time, severed in half with several cuts along her body, was even given what is known as the Glasgow 
smile. The Glasgow smile is a cut from the corner of one's mouth up to their ears. So Elizabeth Short, as you know, we discussed, known as the Black Delilah, one of the most notable victims of uh, murder in United States history for the way her body was found uh, due to the, the horrific nature. One being found essentially naked with several cuts along her body and also, again, the Glasgow smile. Didn't, I may be, again, maybe wrong on this one. Mm -hmm. Didn't Jack the Ripper do something similar to that? Whenever, like, he had his signature. Well, his signature was mostly, I thought it was disembowelment. It wasn't necessarily yeah. doing the Glasgow smile. It was disembowelment. He was specifically targeting, targeting women. Uh, well, it was sex workers. Sex workers is what yeah. he was really yeah. targeting. And, and what he means by disembowelment of literally cutting open these sex workers and essentially laying their internal organs on the yeah. table next to them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in this case is just so intriguing. One, she was found in the middle of the day like that. They still haven't solved her murder. Yep. And it's been what? You said 47 is when that happened? I mean, shoot, we're coming up 65 years. I mean, the Axe Murder House, too. Yeah. Still unsolved. Yeah. That was 1800s, well, the right? Well, or early 1900s. I mean, early 1900s. correct me if I'm wrong. That happened in Iowa, right? Yeah. This is LA. Even in 40s, LA is a massive city and they still could not find Well, I feel anything. like it's harder to solve crimes in massive cities because there's more suspects where yeah. this town is very, well, very small. And I don't necessarily mean it's harder for it to solve, but the fact that there are so many people and that still happened like that. Yeah. Something yeah. so horrific where a woman was cut up like that, cut in half, had that smile put on her like that, and they still have no idea, no clue who did it, where it happened, when it happened, because they know for a fact her body was taken there after she was murdered. Yes. And, and, and to kind of touch on that a little bit further, something that's interesting is several passerbys had noted seeing the body of Miss Short, but had believed, since it was a very underdeveloped area of LA, there was common occurrences of trash being thrown in this area, that this was an old store mannequin that was thrown out. And most mannequins being able to take off at the midsection up, and that that was the reason it was in two halves, not that it was a human body. It's just, it's a crazy case. I've Probably one of my most intriguing cases I've ever heard about in my life is just seeing something like that. And like what you just said, people literally pass by her. Didn't even think twice to step by or see anything like that. But granted, I mean, who knows if you're, if you're in that situation, how you would handle that. But just to have that happen to and especially the fact she stayed days before that at that hotel. It's just pretty mind-blowing. Absolutely. And, and so, I mean, this is going to be <laughs> a little, little theory here. She was killed at the hotel because, I mean, if she was, she was believed not to have been killed at the hotel. She was seen at the hotel. Well, just kill my mood, man. Okay. <laughs> she was seen at the hotel, was believed not to have been murdered at the hotel. Yeah, so she can be seen there. But, I mean, did she ever check out? Her herself she, check out. She did not stay at the hotel. She, she was there. at the bar in the hotel. So okay, she, so perfect scenario here. Meets one of these people. I didn't know who they were. Go to the room. I mean, what else? I mean, being honest, like we're all adults here. I mean, she's a she was a beautiful, beautiful, twenty something year old. Beautiful. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, bitch. <laughs> she was a beautiful mid twenties woman. We know what could happen. 
We know exactly. So, yeah. so goes to this guy's room. You know, they do whatever. She ends up getting murdered at the hotel. But because I mean, my thing is with that. I mean, if you're cutting them in half at the hotel, I mean, you're going to the bathtub. Wow, I sound like a serial killer now. <laughs> you're going to the bathtub. Easy cleanup. You sound like you have some experience on this, Bobby. Yeah. Uh, have you been to the Cecil Hotel and we just don't know about it? I uh, have not. Never been to L.A. <laughs> never been to California. Uh, <laughs> but easy cleanup there. I mean, you can kind of, I guess, package it away to get them out without it being noticeable. And then if the body was dumped there, it's dumped there. Mm-hmm. So, and because I mean, you said that it's not going to be there for they weren't killed where they were found. So, Bobby, to kind of touch on that, so to not dive too deeply into the history of the back the Black Dahlia, but Elizabeth Short was at the time of her murder. The investigation had shown that she had failed to report back home to her sisters and that she was dating a individual who she called her boyfriend who had lived who had lived in California but out of the city of LA but this individual who she called her boyfriend was a married man and one of the primary suspects for her murder was the wife of the man that she was having this affair with that would explain the brutality of their murder then and everything too because I mean if you got a grudge like that against someone like that, I mean, that definitely would set someone off. To, not saying that this is the right way to respond to that, but to pull something off like this. Mm-hmm. So, here we go. Back into the theory of my murder for the White Dahlia. So, if it was the wife, let's say that she knew that her husband was a frequent visitor of this hotel bar. And let's just say that she figured out that he was checked to this room Gives him the last name. She's like, yeah, here's your room key. You're staying in this room. She walks in on him. She goes ballistic, as one would, if they found out their significant other was cheating on them. She ends up killing her then, but didn't mean to, maybe. And her and her husband, instead of like trying to get the wife arrested for the murder, they come up with a plan to, I guess, get rid of the evidence. I, I, I'm going deep in the weeds on this one. Like, ah. <laughs> I, I was about to say, I, I don't want to kill your theory in the water, but it is noted, like I said, I don't want to get too far into the murder of Black Dahlia, but it is noted that Elizabeth Short was known to go and visit her quote-unquote boyfriend in the city that he lived in versus him visiting L.A. to see her. So the likelihood of him actually going to L.A. and staying in the Cecil Hotel is not likely. Not likely, but it's not impossible. It's not possible. But like I said, don't want to get too far into the weeds <laughs> of the Black Dahlia. I must say, I think it's just noted that she stayed there just because of the fact that it happened just days before she was murdered. Not necessarily the fact that they think that she was murdered She there. was murdered there. It's just... So did they figure out how long she had been deceased where they found her body? It was a few hours, right? Like it was... Uh, given a time frame of a few hours, even a few days, yeah. um, that her body was laying there. That it was laying there, or that she was deceased? Was like, deceased. Okay. But 
I, I, I say that and, and I and I keep trying to to pry Bobby away, um, as I have to do often in these. <laughs> it's these the wheelchair, episodes. you know. He's oh, he's stuck in the wheelchair. The black dog is the wheelchair in this situation. <laughs> there's there's steps right beside right behind him and he really wants to get on a wheelchair and come down to this floor. I'll push you down, don't worry. <laughs> um, but but do please be on the lookout for a potential future Dual Hunt Productions podcast potentially being hosted by Hunter Strickland or, or beautiful guest star today uh that will host a podcast touching on serial killers and even famous murder victims such as the black dahlia so be on the lookout for that but as we jump back into the cecil hotel and some of the anomalous behaviors and tragic history that surrounds it in current news the the most tragic instance that happened was uh in 2013 the hotel saw the unfortunate demise of Eliza Lamb, whose body was found floating naked in water tanks on top of the hotel's roof. Her death was ruled as an accident, but to gain access to the room, uh, to the roof, one would need a hotel key, and her cell phone was not found in her room or near her body. But on top of the mystery surrounding what uh, we have previously stated is the security footage that shows her hiding in the elevator where the doors continued to stay open even as she frantically was pressing buttons and looking down into the hallway as if she was expecting someone uh, to be following her. She eventually exits the elevator and begins to gesture as if she's having a conversation with someone uh, even though there's no one standing in the hallway. She eventually walks out of frame from the elevator uh, security camera and the doors a few seconds thereafter do shut. So at this point in time, uh, we're actually going to take a quick break from the episode and I'm actually going to show Bobby and Hunter this episode or this video. This is a, some security footage that you can find on YouTube if you are interested. But as I stated, this is some deeply disturbing potential evidence of anomalous behavior occurring at the season. So jumping back into the episode, uh, recently showing Bobby and Hunter the security footage in the elevator of Eliza Lamb, uh, the, the last footage of her being alive essentially in 2013. Some things to note, as we stated, she was found in the water tanks on top of the roof, there being four water tanks total big thing was that whenever her body was found as i stated she was naked it appeared that whenever she had jumped into the tank or jumped fell or pushed into the tank that it was then that her clothes were taken off of her and that also the latch to the water tank was it which is a heavy metal latch was closed on top of her so natural wind or anything like that could not close this latch shut something had to have closed this latch on top of her, which would have been impossible if she were to jump into the tank itself. And so the reason that Eliza Lamb's body was discovered was that hotel stayers had complained to the hotel, namely due to poor water pressure, and that the maintenance man went up to the water tanks and eventually discovered her body floating within it. And so, of course, hotel stayers at the time were horrified to discover that the reason their their water pressure was so low or that the the faucet taps that they had potentially taken a drink of water from or brushed their teeth with was coming from a tank that a dead body was in 
Bobby, from uh, watching video, you said you had, you know, just a few comments you wanted to, to make. So, so my thing with that is, like, yes, it looks like there is something wrong with the elevator, as you pointed out. Because, mm -hmm. again, you can't really tell. From my point of view, I can't tell what button she's pushing. Mm -hmm. But, as you said as well, like, if she's pressing the fire escape button... The doors will not close. Right. And and to, to further ex explain on that, you know, the potential of maybe she's standing in it and in, in a frantic panic pressing these buttons, she's pressing the button for the elevator doors to stay open, which that still only creates it for a small amount of time, maybe just a handful of seconds for the door to remain open. Upon her exiting the elevator and what appears to be her gesturing, having a conversation with someone who's not there, the elevator doors are still remaining open and if she did press the fire escape button they would not have closed like they did whenever she eventually walks away from the elevator so this is the other thing i want to point out too that i didn't point out while going i was discussing it before we start recording again do does anybody know if she was either which i'm guessing she wasn't that she wasn't deaf or that she didn't know sign language because to me whenever she's talking like i talk with my hands a lot mm -hmm. It was like she's trying to sign something. Because she does with her fingers to run away with her fingers on her hand. If you go back and watch that video. Well, the thing is, though, is uh, she, you know, while she was in America for a while, she is originally from China. Or she's not, I, I'm pretty sure it's China. She, she was from Canada. Was, wait, she was from Canada? But she's of Chinese descent, though, she's correct? She's Chinese descent. So more than likely, though, while she's from Canada, still, like, I mean, who knows? Maybe she came across someone who didn't speak English. I mean, a lot of people still stay at this hotel who weren't necessarily English speakers. Maybe she was doing Yeah, no, but, like, yeah. my thing is, like, it looks like she's trying to sign something. So, so to, to kind of touch on that, you know, it was commented that, no, Eliza Lamb is not deaf. But, you know, a lot of uh, countries and even United States as well, instead of teaching a foreign language at an earlier age some of these schools are starting to teach asl at a early age for students to learn american sign language or just sign language at this point yeah so maybe she is you know in in her mannerisms of talking which a lot of people like you said even you use your hands whenever you speak maybe she was using you know her hands to basically draw out you know get away or run away and then from there forward, using her hand. Because, I mean, she is trying to hide from something. Like, you can tell. Yeah. But, like, is it... Because, like I said, from what I saw when she first did it, it was like she was smiling. as like, trying to play a joke. And then... Because, um, I mean, how old was she at this time? She was in her early 20s. She was 21. 20s. So, I mean... I mean, I remember I was 21. Like, me and you being roommates at 21... We'd goof off like that all the time. Like, mm -hmm. just trying to hide from each other, like, trying to spook each other, whatever. But, like, I don't know. And maybe, because to me, again, it almost looks like in a playful manner. But, like, knowing the end result of it, mm -hmm. it makes it, I guess, that much more sinister a little bit. Well, the thing, though, is, is, yes, she may be playing. The only thing about that, though, is, like Jason said earlier, as far as they know, no one was there. 
So why would she be playing like that? If but that's was... that's what I'm saying. Like knowing the end result and everything, that's what makes it a little bit more sinister. Yeah. On that side of it. But like right. Jason said, we were talking about earlier. Maybe she wasn't smiling at all. Like we think that's what it looks like, everything. But really, she's actually like she's in just hiding. She's in a pan. She's hiding from someone. Because when you look, she's in the wall, like. Where you can't see if someone's coming from the way that she thinks that so, that person's coming from, they but, cannot. But see she her. looks both ways though too. Yeah, like she's not looking just one way. I mean, she starts talking the one way, mm-hmm. but you gotta think like me. Whenever I saw her get up against the wall, it was like she's trying to look down the hallway. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, either either, either down the hallway in your example, or like you're saying trying to either act hide. small. And yeah, be, you know, to me it was like she's trying to peek to me. Yeah. Because everybody's gonna have their different point of view on it. Absolutely. Well, but, I'm gonna say, from what we've seen, too, for one, it sounds like that, no matter what it is, it's unsettling no matter whatever way you look at it, especially like you said, when you look at the end result. Yeah. No matter which way you look at it, it's still unsettling. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and to, to kind of further touch on some of the mystery surrounding Eliza Lamb. So she had stayed in room 412 uh, and had previously had roommates but moved out from the room where she did have those uh, because the complaints of her roommates at the time stating that they couldn't stand her strange presence, which, of course, as I mentioned, resulted in her moving to room 412. Whenever her body was investigated by the coroner, it had no signs of struggle. And like I said, her body is found at the bottom of the tank, metal door closed on her. But something to note in this investigation is that she did have bipolar disorder the extent of uh her mental illness you know was not extrapolated further upon but who is to say that maybe you know this did have a part to play in the the tragic instance that did occur because like i noted as well or was watching it i was like it almost was like schizophrenia schizophrenia words are hard yeah but they uh, work really hard. hard aren't they uh like behavior though like just kind of all over the place but again if she is getting chased by something uh per se like i mean everybody's not like that way mm-hmm. well even with that like aspect when you look at that that could possibly be what's playing out that still what blows my mind is the only way she ended up where she ended up was with the hotel key which i'm assuming she did not have that be able to do that also to be able to get in that water tank she was in from what we could tell, obviously uh, we don't know. Like maybe she did open it up, but from what we know about it, I don't think she was the one who opened it up. And even if she did, how did it close? I mean, so that's just, that's yeah. where we gotta go in the paranormal side of yeah. it, though, too. Where, mm-hmm. as we talked about, the I mean, if the elevator door's not working, who say that the key swipe isn't yeah. working? Yeah, because that's an unnaturally so. long time for those elevator doors to be open. Unless someone is standing there holding the door open with their hand or holding that door open button. Even then, I still don't think it's going to stay open but that that's, long. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, if the elevator's messing up, who say everything else is messing up? Hmm. Like, who used to say at that time you couldn't get in any room at that time if you're trying, really trying to? So, like, if you're having to have swipe a key to get to the roof, who say that that didn't malfunction as well, you just go straight out. Well, then how do you explain her lifting up that water tank lid, though? I mean, she, so there's the sinister part of it, like yeah. the paranormal part, where she could have opened it, or who's to say that it wasn't left open from a previous like, repairman that might have came through there. Mm-hmm. And she was, again, my point of view is that she 
pushed. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. anybody's going to do it on their own. Mm-hmm. She was pushed in, but there's not going to be a sign of struggle because there's nothing to grab onto, really. Right. You're just falling so, into the water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then let's say, which I don't know how these water tanks look or anything like that, mm-hmm. but let's say another repairman, like, especially if they're trying to check, like, the elevator and everything else like that, they notice this stuff going on. Like they make their way up to the roof, they see the hatch, they don't look in, they see the hatch open, they might just close it. Uh, but that's that's a stretch on that one. Yeah, for sure. Say, that, that's but, a deep stretch because of how heavy these metal lids are for the tanks. I think if I'm a repairman, I'm gonna see that and I'm gonna think something's wrong in that instance. And but then, again, if it was well, let's say Again, like it was just left open, mm. but paranormal side to it, like entities can do a lot more than we can probably imagine. Mm-hmm. So I just say that an entity didn't come by after they pushed her in, closed the lid. Right. So, I mean, again, it's kind of, I mean, if you want to play devil's advocate with it, you can all day on like speculation because mm-hmm. nobody really knows what happened. But... The fact is, in my mind, they should have had a camera in the hallway as well. For sure. So, you know, the, the security was definitely not up to par at the hotel at the time. You would think, too, they have a security camera just pointing at that door to lead to those water tanks, right. too. Right, a restricted mm-hmm. area. Yeah. Um, but to kind of touch further on some of the theories that are surrounding that video, a theory believes that she was actually going to the elevator to play a uh, Korean game, in essence, an ele- what is called the elevator game, uh, to where the participant will hit a sequence of buttons in the elevator uh, that allows the participant to travel between the ethereal planes. In the game, it is said that on one of the floors you land on, a woman will enter the elevator and that you should not acknowledge her or it will result in your demise. And so, so to expand further on this theory, it is believed that she had been playing the game and that from the security footage, we believe that you know, the doors are remaining open, but if the doors are actually closing, essentially from the physical world to the you know supernatural world, that whenever she walks out of the elevator, she's actually having this conversation with this entity, this woman, quote unquote, of the ethereal plane, and that is what resulted and drove her to her demise. Kind of like playing Bloody Mary as a kid type deal. Exactly. Yeah. You know? So it's like I said, it's a stretch. It is one of the theories that do surround Eliza Lamb on the internet. But you know, I'd feel remiss if I didn't mention it. Um, and and so something that we had discussed as well is the Cecil Hotel was a large inspiration of American Horror Story Hotel because of all the, the history and the violence that did occur at the hotel. Uh, something that we have previously discussed while watching the video is the elevator walls to this day are glass uh, surrounding on the three walls except for the, the wall with the door. And so this results in what is known as the infinity effect. And so it is believed that the infinity effect is also a gateway to the ethereal plane that would allow for anomalous uh, entities to walk across onto the onto this plane. Yeah, I mean... I guess that's what is so, I don't know, fascinating about, like, what we talk about, though. It's just, like, we really don't know. Absolutely. 
I mean, nobody's gonna know, and that's the conversation I had with somebody before, because they try to say that they don't believe in ghosts or anything like that, because they feel like it's not a choice for us to stay here. Like, we have to be let go after we pass on. But my argument to that was, well, have you ever passed away? Or have you ever died? Yeah, do we definitively have an answer? And we nobody does like nobody does. So that's kind of where I'm gonna tie this into like this like specific case because like again nobody truly knows without video evidence of anything that's going on of what truly happened that day. Jason. <laughs> this is the one time you actually got me on it. <laughs> by that I mean opening up a, a can or a bottle. Um, but I agree with you 100%, Bobby. Um, and to kind of extrapolate further onto some of the, the paranormal activity that occurs. So if you actually visit room 412, which was the room Eliza Lamb was staying in, it is said that you can have the feeling of strangulation and that primarily the emotion of anger will come over. And again, I believe that these, you know, entities that, you know, surround the Cecil Hotel, in my opinion, are primarily that of the demonic. Like I've said, you know, with Richard Ramirez, who performed devil worshiping, and as we've kind of alluded to, who's to say the, the countless other devil worshippers who have stayed at the Cecil Hotel it opened up the gateway to the demonic itself and so what are you going to feel but anger sadness and, and negative emotions of nature and like i said to further touch some of the anomalous behavior is the elevator will randomly go up to floors even when the button is not pressed the main floor it'll stop on is the seventh floor even though the seventh floor button is not pressed faucets of course will turn on and off and scratches on visitors have been found especially in the former room of the Night Stalker himself. I'm going to say, um, I mean, I know this is my first episode on here and everything. My belief when it comes to paranormal, I'm very much on the fence. Um, I know both, I don't know if you have, or either one of y'all have, given y'all's personal experiences. I know y'all both have some to make to lead y'all to this point. Mm -hmm. I've never had a personal experience. I've just always been fascinated by it. So my viewpoints are just on the fence. Stay in this so, house long enough, it might change. Yeah, fair enough. Good thing I'm leaving after tomorrow, so good thing. But, he, um, he's leaving tonight after yeah, this. After you said that, it's 2.30 it's, it's, it's about a two hour drive for me, I'm still going home. But, um, but yeah, no, um, I don't know. Like I said, I'm on the fence. If I were to, get, if you had to put a gun in my head and say, like, give a specific stance, I probably would lean towards, like, yeah, I believe in the paranormal, but I like to play devil's advocate with it also, though, so. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. these episodes as well. Yeah. Like, I'm going to give, like, more of a, yeah. like, skeptic. Well, like, with the terms sometimes. of, like, that, like, you were talking about the um, elevator and stuff, like, you could boil that down, like, what Brand said earlier about maintenance, like, with right. the door. It's a malfunction. Yeah, it's a malfunction. Now, the faucets and everything, like, I mean, who knows what that could be. It could be, like, someone actually left it on and they didn't realize it or whatever. Like, you can make up some excuses for that. Scratches, on the other hand, I can't come up with that. Mm. Unless, obviously, like, they're covering something up, like, oh, I got scratched by a ghost, but really it was something else, like... Well, it depends on where the scratches are, though, too. Like, yeah. I mean, I wake up all the time with scratches on me, but I know it came from me. Yeah, exactly. So, 
Um, yeah. And, and well, and, and honestly, to to expand on that, Bobby, for for me personally, I don't believe it's necessarily where was it at, as much as what does it look like. I think. Well, yeah, because I mean, it's the three scratches, it's demonic. Exactly. So, if it's a single scratch or anything, more than likely, I'm gonna think, oh, I just didn't notice that I had, you know, had an itch and I scratched it and anything, and that's why I have that red line. Where if you said if it's three marks going across. That's the sign of the demonic, and I believe something paranormal. Now, do you believe? Can it just be like three scratches? Like, oh, like you know, when you scratch your body, you'll leave marks no matter what. Are you talking about just like normal marks? Or are you talking about like it's significant? Well, most of the time, it's like it's like a risen like yeah. deep scratch. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But it's such a claw mark. Yes, that's why I was okay. But I have seen, which I'm sure I think me and you watched it, the episode of Ghost Adventures, where she's like, "Yeah, I keep getting these scratches on me." Mm-hmm. But if they go back and watch the video, she scratched herself. Yeah. And it leaving those three scratches. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. like, she she'll do, she does it not knowing that she's mm-hmm. doing it. And then she's like, like, a few seconds later, she's like, it's burning. It's burning. It's burning. Because mm-hmm. that's usually how it goes. is like it starts burning. And then the scratch marks start to appear. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and some of that, too, is some of the belief is that it's not full demonic possession but it's demonic you know convention mm-hmm. to tell you to hey do that scratch and everything essentially let me make you mark you as given the sign of the demonic yeah because mm-hmm. like the reason i said like where is it at because most of the time it's going to be on the back mm-hmm. most of the time and if it's on the back i mean you're I mean, unless you're more flexible than I am, which most people are. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I can't really scratch my back like that. Um, or at least give, give it that much force to come down like that. Um, so that's why I went throw out there. like, well, where are these scratches at? Because, I mean, if it's on your leg, if it's on your arm. And easily accessible. Like yeah, that. location. It's going to be like, you know... You probably do that yourself. Yeah. And, and to kind of expand a little bit further, too, for our listeners who may not know, the reason the three scratch is so advantageous with demonic is because the three is essentially the way the demonic makes fun of the Holy Trinity. And that's why. Holy Trinity. And that's why you also get, like, whenever you get knocks, if they're demonic, it's going to be three knocks. Like, everything comes in three, three basically. 3 a.m. It's known as the witching, witching hour. hour. Thank you, to the, <laughs> thank you to the Conjuring, because they were the ones I learned that from. So um, now let me ask you this, since we're talking about the paranormal stuff. You got you listed all those things. Has anybody seen an apparition or what they call a ghost sighting or anything in that hotel that also help out with that too? Like with that just like with so, it being so paranormal and everything. And so there, like there there has been accounts of apparitions. Okay. Um there have been some photos and, and video evidence of the apparition, okay. mainly being of the the shadow figure variation of apparition versus you know the more distinguished you know i can tell what this individual is wearing what they look like things mm-hmm. of that nature it's typically more shadow figure mm-hmm. um and that's honestly just because from coming from my viewpoint that's what makes it so hard nowadays to be a believer mm-hmm. or like no it's true because you can photoshop anything, anything. yeah not I mean, saying like those people who are taking that have done it like I've got, I've had, um, where I work at, I have customers come in and everything. I had a lady come in one time showing me pictures that of her own experiences with apparitions and stuff like that. 
it's so hard to tell what's real, what's not. Absolutely. So well, that's my only issue with it. Because well, like that's what me and him talk about. Like me and Jason talk about all the times. Like ghost adventures. Like you know how much of this is actually fabricated. Mm-hmm. And like there's some people, like I know with um, Trevor Collins on Red Web, he's like I believe all of this is 100% real. Because mm-hmm. he came out and said that. But me and him, like we're gonna have our doubt on something. Yeah, we're gonna have like, our skepticism. Oh. Um, just because, for me, if I'm not seeing it, it's kind of like up in the air to me. Mm-hmm. But like I've heard things before, I especially in this house, like, um. But I mean, it just is gonna go somewhere from there. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you don't want to get into the point where you're snowballing this into something bigger than what. You, than what it should be. Hmm. Okay. Good point. Yeah, and, and I don't disagree with that at all. Um, you know, if if we're spending the, the time to, you know, go on site to something, if we've kind of previously discussed, you know, essentially we want, we want something to happen. Um, at least personally I do. I want to have some sort of justification for our presence within that building instead of us going in and just nothing happening. Because, like, the skeptical side of me is saying if you go search for something hard enough you're going to find what you're going to look for so I mean your mind, it could be your mind playing tricks on you whatever like some, if you want it to happen it's going to happen mm-hmm. whether you think it's real or not Yeah, your mind is going to fabricate it for you yeah so that's kind of my take on that mm-hmm. yeah and, and again like I, like I said I, I don't even disagree with that aspect of it um, but it's it's a difficult thing to be able to provide concrete evidence when it does come to the paranormal. Oh yeah. Uh, but to kind of touch on some of the accounts that, that do happen a, a little further, uh, it said that you can hear the disembodied voices of, uh, the anomalies that have passed from the hotel, their screams and hissing. And as we kind of touched shadow apparitions can be seen throughout the floors of the hotel, a video recording, uh, was uh, discovered that the you know the the person recording had asked the question, "Who is in here?" and the response being that of a male voice saying Eliza Lamb, that she was there, but it was a male voice responding as such instead of a female. And again, it, so at least it wasn't like no once upon a time in Hollywood. It's like. <laughs> The devil. It's like, no, that's something dumber than that. (laughs) (laughs) Great, great movie reference. Great Great job, Bobby. (laughs) My God. Well, that just raises me questions, too, because, you know, like, sometimes, not necessarily spirits, most of the time it's demons try to take the form of something else Mm -hmm. to try to convince someone. That's just what draws my mind to that. It's like, what if it's like a demon trying to, like, get someone to like, hey, it's Eliza Lamb, because this is a huge case recently. Mm-hmm. If you hear someone say, hey, it's Eliza Lamb, like, you're going to want to ask questions unless, obviously, you like me, I'm like, nope, I'm out of here. <laughs> like, after hearing yeah, that, yeah. like, no, I know you're not her, I'm out of here. And, like, that's kind of my thing with this, too, because, like, I've heard the argument where, like, that same argument where I had, where it was like, you know, I don't believe we have a choice to stay here or whatever. Mm-hmm. They said they only believe demons stay. But my argument against that is, well, if you believe in demons, I feel like you have to believe in angels. You think angels can be here to protect us. Mm-hmm. So 
that's kind of my thing with that. Like, I feel like there has to be some kind of balance there hmm. at some point. Right. So that's why I don't believe like every entity that we come across is going to be that of demonic, violent, or have malicious yeah. intent. So, because I mean, you have that, you have like all these, even like children that pass on that don't believe they're, they may not know that they have passed on mm -hmm. and they're kind of stuck because they don't know like what to do from there. So that's kind of my take on it. Uh, I know it's kind of off in the weeds from <laughs> the hotel, but I mean, that's where I get some of the beliefs where like, yes, I do believe in ghosts, but we all are evil. No. Are there evil ones? Absolutely. But yes, they will take, they will try to make you vulnerable to attach to you and then kind of carry it on from there. Yeah. And, and to expand on that, the, the belief of the, that recording, that response, and it being that of a male voice, some of the theories are that that was actually the demon that had essentially attached itself to Eliza Lamb and did result in her demise. Yeah. But like I said, that's being a theory that resolves around the mystery. Uh, but to kind of touch further on that, that emotion that one feels within the hotel, the feeling of anger and hatred makes visitors want to look out the window, kind of like we previously discussed, uh, and essentially want to, you know, to have that view of something besides the walls that surround them and essentially have that want and that desire to get out. And potentially that is why you know, so many suicides did occur of individuals jumping out of the windows at the hotel, resulting in the demise. Um, just to say definitively yes or no in that instance. I mean, I like I said, I agree with that. Because again, I thought like they were going to get pushed. And that may be, not necessarily the push like physically like we were talking about. They may be pushed emotionally, psychologically, everything like that. Like that entity or whatever... But if it's evil or not, it's probably pushing that person like, hey, you can get out of here. Just just go. Yeah, just take the step. Yeah, just, just take that step. step. Not necessarily like like you say, because you talk, touched on like how it's a violent Yeah, push I, mean, I mean, yes, like, because they're going to find any way they can mm -hmm. to uh, kind of get you to the point they want you to. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I like I said, I agree with that. But with me, I, I think more of the physical stuff, like, Physical push, physical scratches, all that. But yes, and who's to say, like, this is going to be off in the weeds on this one <laughs> again. His wheelchair moments right here coming up. No, like, I was going to say, like, because you said that she was bipolar as well. Who's to say that, because, I mean, I'm not trying to knock, like, mental disorders or anything like that. But, like, who's to say, like, you know, with bipolar, schizophrenia, and stuff like that, you hear voices who say that's not like a demonic, like possession or oppression on that person to make them get to that point. Well, when she could have been, if she was in that state of mind, not like you said, not trying to knock down on mental disorders or anything, that may have been her most vulnerable point. That's when it came to attack her. Yeah, she's already in a very weak mm -hmm. state. Yeah, especially especially like what you said, she was just for not forced out, but. She, her roommates complained about her, the way she was acting and stuff like that. I mean, any person would have taken that, like, pretty seriously. Like, that kind of hurts. Like, people I've been staying with 
have asked me to move out because of the way I've been acting. Whether it was her fault or not, we don't know. Like, that's got to hurt. Now she's staying by herself in this hotel with a history that it does. Who knows what pushed her to do what she did. Exactly. Like, like, like we touched in the very beginning, we've touched throughout, you know, this entire episode. You know, very dark and twisted place. A um, lot, lot of severity in my mind that we had, you know, coming into it. And, of course, we say we'll, we'll find comedy where comedies <laughs> do, of course. Um, but with that being said, Bobby, Hunter, do you guys have any final remarks before we close out the episode of the season of Hotel? Like I've said many times, not necessarily while we were on air, they just need to get rid of that place, do something <laughs> about it. There's too much stuff going on there. Just need to go ahead and knock that place down. But other than that, like all seriousness, like though like I told them, this is probably one of the most fascinating like places I've seen, like ever heard of. Especially this case, especially since how close it is, like just in time frame does. Um it's just a crazy like history this place has gone through and stuff. It's just fun exploring this with y'all. So Bobby. So, uh, yeah, didn't know anything about this place before. <laughs> Not as much as I thought I did. <laughs> um, and, 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 and Bob, before we uh, we wrap up this episode, I just want to go ahead and reiterate, you know, thank you again, Hunter, uh, for joining us as our, our guest star on this episode in the season finale of season one of Alcoholic Anomalies. And, you know, we look forward to the upcoming podcasts that you will be uh, a part of and be hosting within the Duhon Network. Uh, but again, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I greatly do appreciate it. And look forward to what we do in the future. Absolutely. So, so Cecil Hotel, going back to, uh, yeah, screw you, Hunter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Gave you all that pomp and circumstance and we're back. Uh, what was that for? <laughs> gonna bring you back to the earth now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> But, you um, bitch. <laughs> yeah. uh, my mom's gonna listen to this. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go and tell my mom not to listen to this. So. <laughs> but no, um, I don't know it is. It is fascinating, just kind of like hearing like the different things that's went on there. And I know I try to. Uh, it seems like I tie every single location back to this other location. <laughs> But it almost reminds me again of Bobby Mackey's. I don't know. It's just something. I feel like Bobby Mackey's almost be tied into every location that we might talk about. Why is that? Just from me, like a perspective of me, this is only. I've only heard the episodes that have been at this time. So. Presented. So I'm just going to give like a brief overview before we yeah. get like super deep in this because yeah. again, we might cover this in a future episode. Yeah. And also, you're also probably about to talk about stuff that haven't been at this time aired yet. So yes. Yeah. So Bobby Mackey's basically, they, it was a bar with a brothel in it. Okay. They killed a prostitute. Devil worshippers did. I, they killed a sex worker, basically. Um, killed her. There is a well- and in the basement of Bobby Mackey's. I do remember. And okay. they found human remains that they believe to be of the sex workers there, and they will not move them. So it's still there. Those human remains are still in that well. Um, and so basically they look at that well as the portal to hell mm -hmm. because of the rituals and everything that was done there. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's the darkest place probably in the southeast. Um, Where did this take place again? Was it's like, in Louisville. It's in Louisville? Mm-hmm. 
So, um, like I said, I get to go back home tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's in it's in Louisville. Um, so you had that. Those other murders that happened inside because it's now a nightclub, but uh, or music hall type deal. Um, but there's several murders there. Actually, the owner that used to live inside the place actually, I believe, he committed suicide as well. Um, which that was after Ghost Adventures did the first episode because they went back into the second episode there. He either, pa- he either passed naturally or he committed suicide, one of the two. But it was inside the building. Um, so, it's it's dark. <laughs> Absolutely. So, but um, you're just talking about how it ties into it. it kinda, the- like, yeah. To me, it ties back into this, talking about like the devil-worshipping aspect of it. Uh, that goes on at these two locations. Um, the different murders and everything that's kind of went on there. Uh, especially if you have somebody that is targeting sex workers at the Cecil Hotel. And they did the same thing at Bobby Mackey's. Um, so, again, I don't, I, I'll have to do my own research on the place. Because, I mean, we try to give like, kind of a brief overview and then like dive into certain aspects to the these locations um i'm gonna hate recording that episode because i'm gonna you're gonna have done your research and everything and i'm gonna be reading for my script and you'll be like well what about this and i'm like i'm trying to get to that point get out of my head which one is that gonna be bobby mackey's oh bobby mackey's (laughs) whenever we cover that in season five of alcohol It'll be on wait, location. Bobby, hang on, wait, wait, Hopefully Bobby will forget. Wait, Bobby Mack, is that the one you're talking about in Louisville? Yeah. Okay, I've heard of that place. Mm-hmm. No, that place is outrageous. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, doing that one on location, right? Absolutely. I'll go with y'all 100%. I'll have to be a part of it. I just want to be there with y'all. All I can think about is uh, Zach Pagan's going, Stop running! Stop running! Stop running! <laughs> the Nick. <laughs> As he's running out of the bathroom. <laughs> no, you're, you're going to probably hear, get off, get off, get off, get off, get off, get off, get off. <laughs> what? I had a, I had a key. <laughs> get off the pot, bro. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean... Oh, again, I'm going to probably have to go back and do my own research. I might... You said it's on Amazon Prime, the episode of Guest Adventures, or is it? Is that the only thing it's on? Well, it's, it's an exclusive episode. Well, okay, there's yeah. countless, I mean, countless YouTube videos, YouTube content creators that cover this place, especially this... Uh, but they're not Zach Bagans. That's yeah. the real thing. <laughs> well, they're not doing... Yeah, they're not Zach Bagans. Well, um... Yeah, but the most recent case, it's been covered ad nauseum just because of how big it is, especially because of that recording. So you can find anything about this. But place. old Zach, you know, he's going to send Aaron to one of those rooms by himself. Which, which, which is why I'm really excited to watch that episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, Zach just does it differently, you know? <laughs> you know what? You're going in there. <laughs> You're volunteering. <laughs> I volunteered you as trooper. <laughs> if not, you're not getting paid. <laughs> I guess you, uh, I guess you get to make those decisions when you're the boss. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as we wrap up this episode, 
well, I just give you a few disclaimers as we always do. Um, again, we are all drinking, including her this time, which is kind of surprising. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, again, we are all in a safe location. Uh, we're not out traveling or anything like that. So, Hunter, I hate to break to you. You're not going back to Nashville tonight. No. <laughs> Shut up, bitch. <laughs> well, uh, we're walking up his skis tonight. Uh, <laughs> but um, if you are going to drink with us, please do drink responsibly. And that if you or a loved one are struggling with uh, depression or suicidal tendencies, please call the United States National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. Help is available 24-7. We do have our Instagram and Twitter uh, accounts up and running. So Instagram is at Alcoholic Anomalies. Our Twitter is A-L-C-A-N-O-M-A-L-I-E-S. It will also be in the description for the episode as well. Um, If you don't mind, go ahead and give us a follow on both of those. Get, you know what? Go ahead. I'm the one that actually runs those pages, so you can just go ahead and DM us. Um, if you have any different locations that you want us to cover, um, if you have any suggestions on how we might be able to make this podcast better for Season 2, um, we are really just doing it for you guys. Um, want to make this as enjoyable as possible while also getting to talk about something that me and Jason are very passionate about. Um or if you uh, have any drink suggestions, I mean, we're all up for that as well. I mean, I've drank the same thing every single episode. <laughs> so um, if you want me to switch it up a little bit, send me some ideas. <laughs> um, but I know this was a little bit darker episode. Uh, we will have a couple of those probably each season. Um, but hopefully we'll get back to some that are a little bit lighthearted in a sense to where... You know, you might be able to sleep at night. <laughs> um, probably not. Okay, good talk, Jason. You gonna sleep now? Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm not you in that one episode. <laughs> well, you know. That is a little liquid encouragement coming in for you, you know? Um, but again, if you are gonna drink with us, please do drink responsibly. And again, if you do have, uh, if you or a loved one are struggling with suicide, or depression, uh, please call the United States National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. Help is available 24-7. Love you guys.